Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called On Offering Public APIs for Your SaaS. Let's get started. Many bootstrap SaaS founders see other successful SaaS businesses and think, hey, they offer an API, I should do the same. But should they really? I'm going to talk about that today. I believe that there are two answers to this question, actually, and they're determined by which phase of your business you're in. There's companies in the survival stage, and for them, adding public APIs is often a risky move. But once they are in the stability stage, APIs become a growth lever. So I'm going to talk about both, but let's just start with the early stage SaaS businesses first. And as, as developers, or at least tech literate founders, we often expect our users to have the technical insight to understand that using our products programmatically is a good idea beyond being able to use them just like on a web interface or something. And honestly, most customers don't think like that, particularly when they don't have a technical background. And even if you sell to developers, they might prefer integrations and products that just work. If you're selling to other industries than developers, they might not even understand the concept of an API. And if you're listening right now and you wonder what an API is, it's like an application programmable interface, right? It's a machine-to-machine interface where another computer can connect to your system or another system can connect to your technical system and exchange data and information without people needing to click, essentially. It's like a computer-to-computer communication, server-to-server, service-to-service. And if the API is not your core product in that stage, consider it a nice-to-have feature. That's like my basic recommendation. And even if your competitors or the competitive alternatives in the market offer public APIs, you might not need to build them into your product. Your niche audience determines what you should offer, not your competition. And if your service is itself an API and your consumers expect it, well, then you need to offer an API, of course. But if it's not, just think about it, right? Most other bootstrap businesses might not need to offer an API, at least not just yet. Let me talk through an example here. Consider Google, right? Because we just talked about bootstrap businesses, so let's take the exact opposite. For many of their services, they need to offer SDKs, which are software development kits, and APIs, because they are serving everyone, right? Their products are being used by diverse groups of consumers. They're software engineers, but there's also people like plumbers or hair salon owners or grandparents who want to stay in touch with their grandkids. Very distinct and different groups. And Google needs to cater both to absolute beginners as well as the most experienced prosumers, right? People who use their products professionally. And most Google customers will never use the public API that Google offers, but still, Google needs to provide those because there are software engineers that build things on top of their product. But now let's look at a bootstrap SaaS. A good example here is Transistor FM. That's uh, also the business where I host this very podcast. And they only recently started offering an API for their service. They started this in, in late 2020, I think in August, more than two years after launching, right? Only after reaching what I expect to now be a mid five figure MRR. A year ago, it was a 20K and they didn't really update their MRR figures publicly. Publicly since then, I expect them to be around 50 or 60 or 70. Only after reaching this number did John and Justin add a public API to their product. Before that, other features were considered to have a higher impact 
other things. So it's like private podcasts and improved analytics, they were more important than an API. Why? Because the founders knew exactly who they were serving. And an API isn't just adding an API on top of what you already have, right? Implementing a public API requires not just a technical part, but it requires good examples, good documentation, and most importantly, customer support that is technical enough to handle developers asking potentially critical questions. For a solo founder, this might not make much of a difference because they reply to any customer service interaction anyway, but it will severely impact the kind of customer service reps you'll eventually need to hire. Right? You'll very likely increase your costs if your customer service rep needs to be able to program because that really limits the pool of people that you can hire for that position. But at some point, when your business is more stable, a public API becomes interesting again. Because once your business has found a reliable mode of selling your product, offering an API makes sense if you expect extensibility and integrations to be a major driver for your product adoption. In the stability stage, reaching out to the developer subgroup of your audience, which there always is one, I guess, or at least there is one in, in an adjacent market, that becomes an interesting avenue. Not only can you market an API to them without needing to explain every single detail because they understand the concept, but you're also tapping into a group of people who might build interesting tools on top of your product. And this is important, right? You're not just selling to them what you already have, you're also essentially selling them the opportunity or giving them the opportunity to build something that they could make money on that makes you money too. And that move turns your SaaS into a platform. And consider how much added reach and opportunity and marketplace with interesting integrations and plugins and features could generate for your existing product. It's a really interesting idea. So at that point, the API becomes something more interesting, but beware. Offering an API can be quite dangerous for a bootstrapped SaaS business. And I want to talk about this in detail because I feel a public API is a complex feature and it comes with a number of risks that are potentially very, very dangerous. And the most common one that I find with APIs in particular is just a misconfiguration on the side of an API consumer, one of your customers, might cause you actual financial harm. Right? APIs make accidental distributed denial of service attacks easy, the DDoSing, because particularly if you have inexperienced developers use your product. Right? Um, imagine uh, somebody just building a, a feature and, and integrating your API, but instead of saying repeat this call every 500 seconds, they repeat it every 500 milliseconds. And all of a sudden, you have a system spamming your system. <laughs> you have an external computer who's not very smart, continuously hammering your system, who now has to deal with this. And that might cause the internal systems of your business to break or become unusable. And a single customer could potentially bring down your business if you don't build meaningful like safeguards into your business. If you don't have billing limits and alerts set up with your infrastructure provider yet, I think you definitely need to do this at that point. The moment somebody else can interface with your system in a programmatic way, you need to make sure the safeguards are there. Just, um, uh, you need, yeah, imagine an automation that calls your API 500 times a second for a few hours. If you don't set up good alerts or a system that can handle this and you have auto scaling on, on AWS, 
or it just it uses a backend system that gets quite expensive the more load you put into it, you could end up with a five-figure sum of uh, bills to AWS in a month out of nowhere, right? And if you have no alerts or system set up to figure this out, you will run into this and it might just really bankrupt your business. So protecting your APIs from abuse, either intentional or by mistake, is paramount, like from the start. Usage monitoring, spike detection, and per-user access restrictions will be needed from the beginning. Um, and I say this because I've built API products and I forgot this stuff and we always ran into these issues, right? Not necessarily with my bootstrap projects, but in uh, more corporate environments, there are always people who don't know how to use a thing and they will use it in the wrong way and that will cause problems, damage, or cost. And you have to be absolutely sure that no amount of usage can easily cause your whole infrastructure to crumble. Um, I would recommend looking into a couple of things like API rate limiting, which is the, the first thing, right? Whenever a certain amount of calls per second or calls per minute is exceeded, you just really don't handle those anymore. It's a pretty safe way to block certain kind of spammy attacks or spammy misuse, like I explained earlier, from uh, really crushing your system. And then API authentication, there are best practices around that. There's circuit breakers when something kind of causes your system to slow and more connections cause it to slow even more, like building systems in, into place that handle this and allow you to recover. And then API usage monitoring is very important, not just for the APIs that uh, you use, which you should, you just you should always check if the things that you use, the external APIs you use are handled and uh, are available, but also for your own API, obviously, right? Make sure that it's there and that it's usable and doesn't just throw errors all the time. And if, the, if it does, to be alerted quickly. And then I guess handling API error messages, being able to send meaningful error messages and understanding the different kinds of errors. Just this all goes into the documentation part and into the customer service part, but it's important to think about this, right? Um, and there's a way to make sure this is done right. And I guess this would be using your external API internally as well. It's an interesting approach to dogfooding your own feature and hopefully increases test coverage and just really usability because the API touches the same paths as, as your regular backend code. If there are bugs or increased error rates for such a path, they will surface quickly. And the, the famous example here is Jeff Bezos, who famously implemented the API mandate at Amazon quite early, I think, in, in 2002, I guess, or, or 12, I'm not, not quite sure. But he forced all internal tools to be exposed as APIs throughout the company. And if you didn't do that, you'd be fired. So everything became an API quite quickly. And from that sprang AWS and the world's biggest scalable merchant platform, Amazon.com itself. So he's done something right with that. So having your internal things be APIs as well makes it easier to eventually turn them into external APIs, which is nice. But that has to be done right. right? Don't forget to implement rate limiting and security features for your internal APIs as well. Either if you eventually want to turn them into external APIs or just use them internally, it's always nice to be secure. Unless you're very knowledgeable about building APIs, I would recommend you consider getting your API audited by an expert at some point. Doesn't really need to be like a cybersecurity firm or anything. Could just be a programmer who understands APIs and the potential security impacts, but your customer's data and the integrity of your business are worth it. And um, yeah, in general, I think an API is a wonderful thing as long as it positively impacts the business, right? That's the core purpose of any feature. 
and a public API has to allow for that as well. And in the end, it is just a feature, right? Always, unless you're selling to API developers or people who use APIs in their development work, it is just one more feature. And I see this too with Transistor FM, for example. The API is really nice and you can handle your podcasts and the episodes, upload, download them. But this really only allows for additional tools to be built or certain kind of integrations to be, be to be made into websites or portals or whatever. For most people who use Transistor FM, and I am, am including myself here, this will never be a necessity. This is not a, a feature that I really need. It's a nice feature for some but for most people, it won't ever be needed. And I think that's important to understand. That also explains why it came so late in the history of the company. Why they went to private podcasts first. Why they built many, many other features. And a much more interesting analytics engine before they built this API. Because they understood that the impact that those other features had was much higher for a much bigger share of their customers. They knew that they were not exclusively selling to developers, so any developer-first features kind of took the back burner for a while. And it's really important to understand that because there's a lot of people who think APIs are super important to make your product compatible with other tools, and they're not wrong. The question is, how much of that is truly needed? And in a world where no code is uh, building up Steam, I would say, having an integration into Zapier or into Integromat, or if this, then that, might actually be more interesting at this point than offering a REST API or a GraphQL API or anything like this. Because it allows people to actually use the service with a service they already know. Because coding, to many, still is hard. And they need experts to integrate an API. And if you integrate an API, uh, unless you're really good at versioning the API and you understand what you're doing, um, or the people who provide it, I guess, you will need to make sure that the API doesn't change or that the API doesn't like uh, require an update of other parts of your system. It's just a complicated world. Like Try implementing the Stripe API on the backend system that actually requires you to lock yourself into an API version at some point because there's just so much going on in the world of financial transactions that they need to version the API and then have this kind of very interesting backend system that translates different versions of API calls between each other. I don't want to go into that really, but it's hard to get that implemented. And when, I think it was uh, in 2019, when the European uh, PSD2, the Payment Services um, Directive, came, was passed by, by the European Parliament, that all of a sudden new requirements were made, right? The, they had a two-factor authentication for every credit card interaction all of a sudden. And we have that now in Europe. Like since December 2020, this has been kind of turned on for all those systems and banks have put these systems uh, yeah, into their, their active work. So now all of a sudden Stripe, the old API version didn't work anymore. So you needed to update to the new one, which supported like hanging transactions and verified and unverified transactions and all that kind of stuff. So integrating an API like that is a lot of work. Like almost everybody who had a SaaS or e-commerce business had to scramble to implement this stuff. So if you can offer something that makes this easier because it's just really integrating with another tool like Zapier, I think many people would prefer that if that's possible for your business. So think about integrations, not necessarily from a developer's perspective, 
when you build them, even though you might be the developer building them. But think about these integrations as something that makes using your service much easier for somebody. And if you have, and you should have, a clear picture of who your audience is, you should also know what they're more likely to accept and what they're more likely to actually want. Do they want a highly complicated or well-documented REST API? Is that something that they want? Or do they want to be able to select your tool in their existing Zapier account and add a zap that when, I don't know, some new item appears in your database, uh, your SaaS, it sends out a message and it adds it as a line to a Google Sheet or sends them an email or something like that, right? Like how much customizability do you think people really need? And in this time with Zapier becoming the, the glue code of the no-code space, you might actually benefit from that because the moment you integrate with a service like this, first off, you have all those no-code founders who are not coders but still understand how to build web products and they might actually integrate with your service. They might need an account with your service. They might need a subscription with your service, right? It just opens up so much opportunity. Whereas if you provide an API, you would need to actively sell to the developer subgroup that you have in your audience, which might be smaller or bigger, depending really on who you're serving. So just um, food for thought, I guess, on the whole, what integration do you offer? I find that... Um, in my previous projects that were all quite technical, having a REST API was nice and usable by other people. But the more I'm building for writers and the more I'm building for founders that are not necessarily technical, I see the need for other kinds of integrations. So consider the API to be just one version of what you could offer to make your product more extensible and allow for more integration. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at avidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L, and you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosoldbook.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be to find this podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.